Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we have a show tonight that's going to knock some people off of their feet. (laughs) (laughs) I think so, I think so. Yes, sir, yes, sir. You know, Brian, I've been talking with people for the last couple of weeks, and everybody that I talk to that's trying to do something positive, that's trying to reach out and help others, they are just catching all types of you-know-what. They're just going through, and it's so sad. And Now I understand why a lot of people don't do what the three people on our show tonight are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. You know, it, it's not always easy to do what they do because one of the things they have to be when they're doing what they do is transparent. You know, they have to allow people to look into their lives and the struggles and the strife that they've gone through. And so for some people, for many people, that may not be the that may not be the the torch they want to carry or the burden that they want to bear because a lot of times when you look in the in the mirror, you know, you may not always be comfortable with what you with what you see. Mm. <laughs> I tell you what, we're going to have some fun tonight, Brian. If you can, go ahead and just let's just bring them in right now because I I I want to talk with them as much and use as much time as we can because there are a lot of golden nuggets that are going to come out tonight. We have three powerful powerful people on the line, Brian, and I'm just Anxious. I know I'm not supposed to be, but I can't help. <laughs> I tell you what, we will go ahead and bring them on right now. We have with us special guest, author and entrepreneur and speaker Sherelle Diamond Hogan, Stephanie L. Jones, Tony A. Gaskins Jr., Tracy M. Lewis Gidgets, and April Mason. Now, I know that we have Tony, Stephanie, and Diamond on with us right now, and I would like to bring them on. Are we? Are you guys still live with us? Yes, I am. Okay, good, good. I didn't miss anybody. There's a lot of people on the list here. <laughs> That's okay. We're going we're gonna to have a wonderful time. And let, let's do a, uh, a brief roll call. Tony Gaskins, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. And Tony is the is, is the best-selling author. And, Tony, what's the name of your book? What Daddy Should Have Told His Little Girl. Mm. Mm. And Stephanie L. Jones? The title of my book is The Enemy Between My Legs. Oh, boy. And, Brian, I'm going to call her out. I'm not going to call her by a real name. Diamond, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> And Diamond is put. Diamond is the one that's spearheading this event. And uh, Diamond, we we just applaud you for what you're doing. We know that you're going through. Tony, Tony, and I we talk all the time, and and, and this is one of the things that he's he's having to deal with because he's out there doing great, and mighty things. And, and I know Stephanie is doing the same thing, and everybody's just going through. But it's a struggle. But you still have to continue to fight. But Diamond, I wanna I wanna open up, and I st- want to start with you. 
what made you want to put this event together? And tell us the event that I'm talking about uh, so others will know exactly uh, where we're going with this. The event is called Still Standing. It is September 18th and 19th here in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, it is, oh, this is so, it is, um, it's not a conference. It's not a usual meet and greet. This is like a crusade to me. This is putting on blast the taboo things that people hide behind, the ta- the things that people deal with and mask and have to live with and are heavy weighted. They're they're weighted down on through life. This is a knock at your front door. This is me kicking in your front door. This is this is us invading people's lives, this is showing, telling, and being living, just being living overcomers of being victims of sexual and domestic abuse. Mm. This is, it's a lie. (laughs) You know, and, and the thing about what you're doing, it's something that, you're right, people don't want to talk about this, you know, so it's not just something like you can do in a meet and greet. It has to be something that's continuous, and that's why I love the fact that you use the word crusade, because, you know, if you think about back in in the, in the times of the crusade, that's not something that happened. Sometimes people last, live their whole lifetime, you know, performing a crusade and then they pass the torch on to someone else. So I just love the idea that you use crusade with something like this because something as serious as domestic and sexual abuse, you know, you're not going to be able to fix it overnight, and you need to be able to pass that torch on. Stephanie L. Jones, yeah, Stephanie. Yes, I'm here. Yes, we know that you're going to be one of the speakers as well as Tony. Uh, what what are you looking for in this event? Why did you join on? Well, first, I really like to thank you, gentlemen, for having me on tonight. I appreciate it, and I like to thank Diamond just for asking me to be a part of the vision that God has given her. Like she said, it's so many people out there who live their lives wearing a mask. And I was definitely one of those people. I wore a mask from the age of five, I can probably say, until I turned turned about 28, 29 years old. So I know how it is to wake up every day and to never be yourself or to always feel like you have to pretend that you're someone or something that you're not because of something that has happened to you and something that has damaged you and your self-esteem. And I just want to be there to let people know I know what that feeling is like. I am a sexual abuse survivor. I was molested for many years by different men in my family. And I know what it's like to hurt, but I also know what it's like now to be healed from that hurt, to make the decision that I'm not going to let the past dictate my future and to just steal away my destiny from me. And so that's why I'm going to be there, to let so many women and men know that have been molested that all they have to do really is make the choice. Just make the choice, and you make that choice every day. Mm. I think one of the things, not to um, cut Stephanie off, one of the things that really hit me when she was speaking was people don't know they have a choice. People think that the lives they live is what it's going to be, that they have no other alternative, and they are held captive from things that were done to them in their past, and they don't know another way out. They don't have another solution. They don't have another option. And what we're going to provide is the the other option, that you don't have to live there. You don't have to be a victim to it. It happened, yes. Does it hurt? Yes. Did it, should it have to have happened? No. But there is, is there life after it? And we're saying, oh, yes, we're not victims to that anymore. Tony brings the domestic violence part to the domestic violence, the domestic abuse part to the table. Stephanie and um and uh, April bring the um the sexual abuse to the table, and I live both of those stories. I live both of them, but am I? I'm not a victim of it. I, I am, 
but I'm not, it doesn't own me. It doesn't own me. It doesn't dictate my life. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm excited. And like Stephanie said, not only women, people think domestic violence, oh, it's just women. They think sexual abuse, oh, it's women. But come on, now, not in the world we live in today. No, it's the victim. The people who are not affected by it are not just women. They're not. Men are being abused sexually. They're being abused domestically. They're being, and not only that, but the abusees, the abusers, everybody has a chance to change their life around. People make mistakes. People are in situations that rage takes over, their emotion takes over. Things happen. But there is life after that, and that's what we're here to do. That that's 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 my goal. That's my passion. I was. I, it happened. It hurt. It did hurt. It 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 owned my life for so many years. I'm 32 now, and I'm finally able to look my abusers in the eye and just wish the best on them because they don't have peace. I want them to have some peace in their life so some they don't have to live live in um live uh kept you know just being confined by it. But that it doesn't happen to somebody else through them. You know, like I'm good. I don't hold no animosity. I wish that you can, you know, you can get help and you can have this peace that I have so that you can have some happiness in your life. And that's real talk. That's real talk no matter. I don't I want other people to talk, but domestic violence, domestic abuse, sexual abuse does not, it doesn't play fair. It don't care how old you are. It don't care what race you are. It don't care who you serve, what religion you are. It doesn't. It don't care what status you have. It doesn't care. It can affect from a baby, a newborn. You hear about newborns getting raped in their cribs by, you know, women with these men around them. You hear, you know, to older women in the nursing home, any religion, anybody, anybody, we going hard. And we're telling you, yes, you, even you, you can have life after this. You can have life after it. Yeah. I pull back, because um, y'all know I get out of control. Unless <laughs> Tony and Steph talk, but that's where I'm at. That's where mm-hmm. I'm at. Yeah, I, I want I want to bring in uh, Tony because Tony brings a a different perspective than from what um, our, our other guests do. Tony, tell us about your story and the reason why you do what you do now. Well, Brian, I mean, my part, I, I'm, I'm bringing to the table um, the male perspective. I want to help the grown boys become men, you know. A lot of times inside of domestic violence, we look at, you know, just only the woman, but we fail to realize that the man is a victim also. He He's a victim to that, that, that demon, that spirit that's inside of him. He's a victim of, of his own self-hate and a lack of self-esteem, a lack of self-worth, um, never being affirmed. So what I want to help men understand is that uh, you're not a man until you're able to control your temper, until you could be patient, until you could love everlasting, until you could forgive and walk away from, uh, you know, tough situations. You know, any any male can uh, punch somebody or beat somebody up or, you know, blow off the handle, but it takes a man to be able to control that and handle that um, and channel that into something positive. And so what I'm coming to do is to let the men know that I understand what you're going through. I understand you may be lost. You may be confused. Uh, You may have not found your purpose in life. And because of that, uh, you feel like a little boy and you want to use a woman as as a crutch, as a teddy bear that you can, you know, throw around and, and treat like a rag doll and, uh, in a sense, lean on them, and all the while you're stripping uh, their self-worth, you're demeaning and demoralizing them as yeah. human beings, yeah. and that's what I want to change. And at the same time, speak to the women and, and empower them and let them know the strength that they have inside of a relationship. Let them understand that you don't have to be a rag doll. You don't have to be that crutch, but instead you can speak up, but speak up in love, and you can affirm that man where his mother or father may haven't uh, done that. You can speak into his life. You can help him identify his gifts, and you can call that spirit out because one thing that spirit can't do is exist with true love. And so that's what I'm bringing to the table. <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited. Go, boy. <laughs> this, this is, I'll tell you what. 
Oh, boy. People that are listening tonight and people that are going to be listening because we're going to send this thing all over the place, they are thankful because I'm just thanking you for them because I know what's going to happen tonight. And, Diamond, this is why you've been under attack for so long. Uh, and, And Diamond and I, we talk behind the scenes and we talked a couple of times. And because of this event, and Tony, you know, and Stephanie, you know as well, when you're out there trying to do what you've been called to do, it just seems like everybody from every angle just raise up against you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's such a sad thing. It's such a sad thing. And, Stephanie, you've been dealing with this since the age of five years old. Yes, I have. But... I didn't even realize that something was wrong. And I think that's the situation that so many men and so many women are in. So often I'm asked, Stephanie, well, why didn't you tell? Or why didn't you get some help? Or did you go to therapy? And I always say, well, I didn't even realize there was something wrong with me. And really, in a way, I didn't because we hear that life happens. Or we hear, get over it. And so I didn't even realize that I had some problems or I had issues. I just thought the things that I was going through in life, they were just a part of life. I didn't know that life didn't have to be this way. I didn't understand or make the connection to what happened to me between the ages of 5 and 13. I didn't make the connection to that to the sexual promiscuity and the things that I was doing at age 14 and at age 16 and age 17. I didn't make the connection to my uncles and them breaking every personal barrier in my life when they were molesting me to allowing a man to almost kill me and my mother at the age of 21. There was no connection there, and I think that's the situation that a lot of people are in. They can't be happy in their present, and they can't even walk in the purpose that God has for them because they don't know the root of their problem. It's just like a dandelion. You keep snatching it out the ground. If you don't dig it up from the root, it will be right back there the next couple days. And that's how so many people are living right now. They keep shaving stuff off the top, and that problem keeps manifesting in another area of their lives. You know, I want to ask Tony this. Tony, uh, so many people are dealing with this sexual uh, demon. That, that, that's what it is. I call it what it is. A lot of men are dealing with that, and a lot of married couples are dealing with it because, and I've heard people say this, they invited something like this to happen inside their bedroom. And what I mean by that is they were experiencing other things. And that man may have been dealing with sexual issues, and now that that thing has been invited into their home, you know that you can never feed the flesh enough. Mm-hmm. It's going to go from, from his home, his bedroom, to him going to another bedroom outside of the marriage or outside of that relationship that they have. And my question is, when people say that they are delivered from this sexual demon, does it ever really go away? Uh, I don't think it goes away. And I'm, it's, a, it's a battle every day. And uh, now when you say sexual demon, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're speaking of like uh, – Something what Stephanie was talking about. You talking about being molested, or you talking about being promiscuous? Promiscuous, and, and and once you once you say that, what I mean by the the ones that were molested or raped, a, a lot of people that were molested and raped at a young age, they tend to turn to sex for some reason. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, right. That's... They they tend they tend to turn to that thing that hurt them the most. Well, I think that's because of the lust issue, and that's what people don't understand with that, is that if you have been molested like I was at age 5, at age 6, at age 7, at age 8, at age 9, well, how, let me tell you, at 9 years old, 
it feels good. You now know that feeling. When you are a young girl and you're 11 and you're 12 and you're 13 years old and your body is starting to develop and you know what an orgasm feels like at that age and then it stops, that person moves out of the house, or you're older now so that uncle or your father or your grandfather or your brother is no longer touching you. But that doesn't mean the feeling is not there now. So now your body desires that feeling. And that's why I go out and I talk to so many young girls, so many teenagers, because I try to explain to them why that feeling of lust is now there in the first place. Because I didn't want it to stop. And a lot of women struggle with that issue right there because they feel dirty, they feel ashamed, or they feel guilty like they were participants. I didn't want it to stop. You know how I know I didn't want it to stop when I was 11? Because I remember climbing in the bed next to one of my uncles because I knew what was going to happen. Right, right. See, the feeling... The body is different from the spirit. There's, we're dealing with two different things because people will say, but that was your uncle or that was your father or that was your mother's because women molest too. But what they don't understand is that feeling, that desire, that sexual lust that I now have between my legs, that's not going anywhere now. And no one is talking to me about that. Yeah. Wow. I just love the fact that, that you guys are being so transparent, and you're saying things that a lot of people will not say on television. Right. And they won't say it in the media. People need to hear the uncut truth. They need to hear it just the way it is because a lot of people have been sugarcoating this thing for so, so long. And and, and you are coming out, and you guys are just I, – I, I understand why you guys are under attack. Let me just say that. I, I, I truly understand because what you're doing, a lot of people are going to be set free. A lot of people are praying to hear you guys. They've been praying for years, and now here you guys come. So, I, so again, I applaud you guys for being obedient, and, and I know Brian had a question. No, I was just going to say what you said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just the fact that, you know, you guys are so open and honest and real. You know, because a lot of times you have people come out and they'll they'll talk about this stuff and they haven't really experienced it. You know, they never really went through it. It's almost like you have somebody who has never been, who has never tasted alcohol and they're trying to tell you about not drinking alcohol, you know. And it's really when you've been tested and tried and put through the fire that you understand how the flames feel. You know, and so I just applaud you all for for actually having the courage and the understanding that you didn't go through what you went through for you. You know, right. it wasn't your it wasn't necessarily your fault. You know, but it was just for someone else's benefit that you had to endure. Mm. You I know, and I mean, some people may hear that and say, "Are you serious? You mean to tell me that a child gets molested so somebody else can benefit from it?" Well, to to an extent, no. No, because nobody wins when a child is molested. Nobody wins when someone's sexually abused or physically abused or any type of abuse. The way we win is that when we go through it, we go through. We don't stay in it. We See, don't cap out in a valley. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's true. What you say, Sam? No, I was going to say, see, the thing about it is when someone... When, when somebody wants to know how it is on the other side, they got to go to the other side, you know? I think a lot of it is people lose compassion, and everybody thinks, what I run into just talking to um, just people is that people think it's only them. They only feel this way. And mm-hmm. a lot of older women, I mean, pastors and ministers and these elite people, they're just like breaking down, crying at it, like a book signing or an event, and you're just talking and telling them real life, this is what I'm going through, and finally make them relate to, like, I thought it was only me. And people lose, like, the compassion. And, like, we've been through it, but now it's like, okay, we've been through it, we overcame it, but now I'm trying to let other people know that, hey, you know, I, I, I've been through this too. It's not just you. And you don't have to stay trapped 
in that mindset of it's only me, that, okay, I'm, it must have been me. And, like, like, I went through the thing that it must have been something wrong with me. Like, I must have, you know, this happened with one of my uncles and this happened with my cousins and, you know, all this stuff. Like, what did I do? I was a young girl. Like, did was I, you know, was, was I overly nice? Was I, was I fresh? You know, was I... You know, did I did I was I wrong for you know wanting to hug or wanting to sit on my uncle's lap or or you know just be be loved by this person? But I'm like I was a I was a child. But then like Stephanie says, like your body is responding, like your your hormones are responding to this, and then you become a you become like really your senses is overtaken. You end up indulging in the thing that hurt you the first time. You indulge in the sexual act even with the people that initiated it in the wrong way. But your mind as a young person, even growing up, if you don't deal with that, you will think it's something wrong with you. Like, you know, I, I like sex. I like I the sexual part. I didn't like that it was him that I'd have sex with. Like, we're related. He shouldn't have did that to me. You know what I mean? But your body's responding. You go through all these things, and you end up carrying that into your adult relationship with low self-esteem, and you you just it, it just balloons. It's a seed, and it balloons into so many other things that are evident in your adult life. And then you you just it's it's a mess. And so somebody just says, "Hey, let's stop this right now. Let, let's let's put things into perspective. Let's deal with this situation so that it doesn't pull us by the throat." Throughout, through the rest of our lives. Like, it felt like I had this, like, this leash on me that I was being dragged through life, being pulled by this this thing that would seem like it was possessing me until I put a halt to it. Like, that's all I knew. That's me, all I knew. Diamond, let me say this, and I want Tony to jump in when, when, when I say this. A lot of times, and I'll speak just on Stephanie and Diamond's situation. The enemy used that against you because he was trying to kill and to keep down what you're about to do. Uh-huh. All of that, all of that that happened to you as a child was supposed. It was all done to alter what God has called you guys to do. What better way to Stop you than to do something humiliating like that. See, a lot of people don't want it. They won't come forward and talk about what you guys are talking about. It's it's too embarrassing. And a lot of people sitting in the church, it's happened to them, and they see this thing going on with the yes. girls, and they're not saying anything. But see, God trusted you guys with your life. He trusted you with the things that happened. It may not make sense or sound like it's making any sense, but he trusted the things that happened in your life. He trusted you with that. Mm-hmm. And now you're speaking out and you're doing something. You're making things happen. And that's the beautiful thing about all of this because everything that happens, God is going to get the glory out of it, no matter how ugly it looks or no matter what kind of pain or whatever you had to go through, he's going to get his glory out of it. And I'm a true believer in uh, that all things work for the good for those who love him. But, Tony, I, I know you want to jump in on that. Yes, sir. I definitely agree with you. It's amazing to me hearing Stephanie, hearing Diamond. I can't relate to the sexual abuse. I've never been molested. I've never molested or sexually abused a woman, and it's just so deep. But I do understand going through domestic violence that that wherever God plants a seed, the devil plants a weed. And he does try to squash out that, that, that gift, you know, to choke the life out of it. And so wherever I speak at, I always close with uh, telling them to allow your story to bring him glory. And that's why I really... Um, praise Stephanie and Diamond for, for being so open and so transparent and, and telling that story because I'm sitting down, but I still almost fell out my tail when Stephanie was speaking just about how real it is, you know, and I, I've never heard it put like that. I've never understood, you know, the uh, what happens to a woman when she's sexually molested, 
but at the same time, I, I know at, along uh, along the lines of that same dynamic is what I put a woman through by physically and emotionally abusing her. And so I, I think it's beautiful that, that we coming together and everybody can just speak up. Greg, what I wanted to talk about and why I put them together, people are like, well, why don't you just do one? Or why isn't it like you want to raise awareness? I think we do have awareness. I want people to learn how to overcome, to live victorious with this. I wanted to try to put, I wanted, like, I was I was told to put them together. You know, like, it wasn't separate for me because for me, both of them, me being, experiencing both of them in my life, they're intertwined with me and as many women that I speak with. Because of the, the sexual abuse early in my life, I can't even remember when it started. I just know it started with a fishing trip, and that was it. You know, I, I, it started with a fishing trip, and then it just seemed like I wore this, this imaginary mark on my forehead because it became it, it was like it was like a magnet to other people in my family, other men in my family to like, okay, we can do this to her now. Because once that started it just escalated. And none of these people like even though we're family, none of these people like hung out together. The domestic part came later in my life where when I didn't deal with the, the sexual things when I didn't deal with the sexual abuse, when I didn't deal with the low self-esteem, when I didn't deal with it, I was, like, really just wanting to be loved by, you know, not so much anybody, but I can remember being pregnant. My boyfriend at the time was mad at my girlfriend because I wanted to go out with her. So he, like, chokes me up. I'm pregnant. He chokes me up on his mom's refrigerator. I'm carrying his child. He smacks my girlfriend. He's like this six two dude got me choked up, and all I before I blacked out, all I can see was his mom, his mom's old frying pan on the stove, and I was trying to reach it before I passed out. Now I'm pregnant, holding this man's child, and all I can do was try to grab it with all my might and just swing it hit him in the head. Now that was my first pregnancy by him. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like after he had choked me up, I ended up losing the baby. Not at that time, but due to some other things. I was still with him. Got pregnant again. It's a cycle. It's, yeah. I, for me, the sexual abuse and some other things, like my dad wasn't there and all this other stuff, but it was some sexual, it was it was the sexual thing, the sexual abuse was like an underlining thing to why I accepted the domestic violence part of it. I have scars on my face from another another man, you know, and it's like all I wanted to do was be loved, and all I knew how to do was to give myself, if I give up sex, hey, I, you know, at least you'll be here. I just want to feel loved. I, I, I don't know why I'm indulging in this, but those who were, they were truly intertwined with me. I'm not, you know, a scholar. I don't know. I don't know it was my life. I don't have a PhD. I'm a nurse. I do with medical stuff. I don't know. All I know is my life. And all I know is not dealing with the sexual abuse, the effects of it, not being able to really talk about it to anybody. Because when you try to tell somebody, it's, you know, don't, let's not, you don't want to ruffle no feathers. And then it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you, you're not even trying to protect me. You're, and then it's, it, it's so many things going on, but it's like no matter what the circumstances was, no matter what happened, no matter how gruesome it was, and I know the pain hurts. We're not denying the pain. We're not de- denying, like, the sleepless nights, the questions. But after all, after it's all said and done, there is an option, not only to overcome it, but to live a happy, joyful life with no regrets, with no regrets. To get up and laugh, to have a life, that's an option. That's an option. You know, I think the most just, I don't even know how to put this into words, really. I guess what I want to say is that the, the, the most, the part that hurts the most about being a victim of domestic violence is when you begin to want to speak out and tell people about your pain, and they tell you, you know, exactly your words, don't ruffle no feathers. 
you know, and I think that's probably the most painful part of it because that person has built up the courage and the strength to speak and say, this happened to me, and I want you to know this thing that was painful, that was shameful, that was embarrassing, that was, you know, that hurt me, that, you know, pierced me to the core. I want to talk about what happened now. And for someone to say, no, let's not discuss it, and just basically shut that person down, you know, I think that's even worse than the actual incident. And, Brian, you find a lot of that going on right in the place that it shouldn't, and that's the church. Mm-hmm. And that's the place that we should all be able to go to deal with everything that we're dealing with. But nowadays it's just not the right thing to bring up in the church. They will not address that. They'll talk around it, but they will not address it. And now we're finding out that a lot of this is happening in the church. Yeah. And I'm not beating up on the church. I'm just being real with a lot of the things that we've been told on this show, and talk, you know, in the years of, of just interviewing and talking with people, it happened in the church, yeah. and it happened in the family. And I say all the time, there's no hurt like family hurt. A lot of these incidents are occurring to these women, and they know the person. It's a family member. But because the family don't want anything to get out to the public, they'll sweep it up under the rug. But how do you tell an 11-year-old or a 5- or 6-year-old, how do you tell them that and expect them to be able to process something like that mentally? And, Stephanie, I don't know if that was your, your situation, but I know at the age of 5, there's no way that you could have processed what was going on. All I'm, I'm just ima- I'm trying to sit here and imagine, but I can't. The only thing that I can come up with is you were tricked and it felt good. And I oftentimes try to explain that to individuals that ask me, well, why didn't you tell? And I, I always tell them or I'll ask them, do you have a five-year-old near you? Just go and look at a five-year-old child or do something like I did. I I went up to an elementary school not far from my house, and I just walked into the classroom, and I just wanted to look at the innocence of five-year-old children. They're so innocent and they're so naive. And even though at five years old, you will know at five and maybe six and seven that, okay, something is not right here. This is not right. You know it's not right because you're sneaking. And when someone is hurt coming, you know, okay, the person is kind of pushing you away or telling you to get up. But you don't really know the seriousness of the situation. And you can in no way in your mind at five years old process the fact that what's happening to you at five can cause you to be laying on your back with some man, you're 13 and he's 25 or he's 20. You can't process that at five years old. And unfortunately, that don't ruffle any feathers That's the reason why we don't tell once we do realize, okay, this is really wrong. Because people have to understand, and I think that a lot of people who have not been molested just do not really understand that these are our family members. These are our family members. People do not want to get their family members in trouble. Nine times out of ten, if you ask those who have been molested, knowing what you know now and being older, being an adult, would you still make the same decision to not tell if you knew that person could go to jail for 25, 50 years or the rest of their life? And a lot of them will tell you yes. 
because really a child does not want to see their uncle or their brother or their sister or, come on now, when we're talking about a mother or a father, then you're really going to keep quiet. And that's really difficult for people to understand. That's why I think really it's so important to break the cycle and to talk about it. And I love going to talk to young men in in junior high school and high school and saying to them, I don't care what you hear on the radio. I don't care what you watch on television. I don't care how much lust was happening between your legs. Do not ever touch another girl in your family again. Mm-hmm. And if they don't hear that, right. then they may continue to think they can just sneak and get away with it. But just saying that to them, I can see the look on their faces and just explaining to them how much it damages their little sister or their little cousin or that little girl next door when they fondle them. And I think Tony was trying to, uh, I think he had something to say. I was saying that that's what we need. Um, it's like a lot of times the women, they come forward and they speak out, and a lot of times when you have the conferences or crusades, it's, it's women that come to it. But what we really ought to target is the men because it's life-changing for me just to hear these women tell their story because most times men are, are molesting and men are abusing physically and emotionally but we never see behind closed doors. We never see, we never able to get inside the mind of a woman to understand how it affects them and how it how it breaks them down and demoralizes them. But for a man to hear that, for a man to have to hear that, it changes you. And I think that even with the molestation, um, as for the young men and the older men, um, it's, it's just it's a lack of self control. And and like Stephanie said, they're listening to their body part and, and not. Uh, taking control, and, and that's a part of becoming a man, and that's what I teach grown boys, that you're not a man until you're able to, to not control the things around you but control within yourself and and not take advantage of the, the women around you but instead be an advantage for them. And right. and by us speaking out, that's what men understand, that, you know what, I become a man when I can control this lust, when I can control these is this rage or, or these feelings, that's what truly makes me a man, not taking advantage because I'm the stronger vessel or, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm the man. And it, it's just a misconception in this fatherless society that, that young men grow up with, that, that they don't understand what it is to really be a man. And no matter how you get around it, no matter where you're from and what you're doing, no matter who I'm talking to, I say the one perfect example is Jesus Christ. And that's the only thing I can go to, and I cannot deny it. And I'm never afraid to, to say the J.C. word on an interview or anywhere because that is where I saw perfection. That is where I saw someone turn the other cheek, someone uh, bridle their tongue, someone uh, tame their emotions and, and become in control of themselves and became a light to those around them. And, and this, this is what we got to reach the men with, and, and that's why... I'm on this journey because I know what I did as a womanizer, as an abuser. I was no different than any other man next to me. But I can tell you now, I don't see not one other man that I knew was doing it speaking out. And that's why I'm so passionate about it and and trying to get other men to to speak up with me and, and open up and be transparent and empower themselves and empower the women around them, not just for the victims that they abuse, but for their daughters and their sisters and their nieces. And and we really got to reach the men. Mm. Mm. I'm so, so thankful for him. Yeah. I was just about to say the same thing. One thing, um, I know, you know, there's three other women on the panel, but Tony brings so much to the table. Um, just reading his book, I'm sitting there highlighting, then I'm like, wait a minute, I got his number. I'm sitting there calling, like, wait a minute, explain this part to me, because even <laughs> at 32, I'm still learning, like, some things, I'm like, check, okay, I know that one, or oh, I was right all the time about this one, 
So I'm trying to, you know, call people. I was like, I told you, a man admitted it. It's on page so-and-so. But he brings so much to the table because as a woman, you want to know, like, really what's in a man's head. Like, why does he do this or why does he think like that? And for him to be so open and so, you know, just blatantly open about a lot of things and how as women we just change things out around that come out of men's mouth to be what they what we want them to be. They come out one way, but we, we receive them a different way. And then we, we expect them to act on how what we receive, not what they said. And we find ourselves in a big mess. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just started writing, you know, like, his boyfriend's names down. I'm like, see, this was him and this was him. And I'm like, where was this book when I was growing up? Where was where was his father figure or a male voice in the village, you know, a male voice in the village that's willing to say, hey, girls, y'all play yourselves. Let me tell you something. You know, and like I said, it's all it's all intertwined. And he brings so much to the table, just being so open, so real about just situations. You know, it's it's awesome. And like I said, this conference, this crusade is not about just women. It's not. You can't limit it to just women because then you're you're missing out on the bigger picture. You're missing out on the bigger picture, and then you're excluding other people who really need the information too. You know. You you know what's so funny about that? And I talked about this numerous times. I see more young women that respond to young men like Tony when he goes out and tells them a truth, the truth, yeah. than when Tony tells young men the truth. And so that's, I mean, that's the thing that that is so compelling about why we need more men out there talking. Because boys tend to listen to their mothers. So they're going to listen to when a woman says something. But boys, most boys don't have fathers in their lives. So it's, it's harder for them to hear it from a man. Because they, they, once they get a certain age, they get a little, you know, hair on their chest, and they think that they're the man. So when another man comes to tell them something, they're not always open and receptive. But when a man talks to a young woman, she's all, she's, and this is just my experience, you know. If I'm wrong, just let me know. But from my experience, young women seem to be more open and honest when I go out and I talk to them about issues than when I talk to the young men. You know, Tony, do you, do you get that same vibe? I definitely agree. Uh, we we cross-affect one another. That's why I'm saying but uh, it's awesome for a man to hear from women like Diamond and Stephanie. And then the women need to hear from individuals, you know, like us, the, the men, because we get inside the mind of the, under, of the other person, and that's what's most important. That communication, it breaks down barriers, and it levels the playing field, and, and it changes your life. And so I, I definitely agree. It's, it's, and so many women, I mean, it's women like, that so experienced, they come to me and they say, you know what, you be my mouthpiece. I've been trying to tell this young lady forever, but she won't listen to me. But I guarantee you, you can say the same thing and it'll resonate so much more with her. And, and it happens every time. And so I've seen it. It's proven. I definitely agree with that. I think that comes really from our love, our, our desire from love for love from the opposite sex. It's just something that we desire. I mean, as women, we want to be loved from, I, I can tell you as a woman, I don't care what a woman will say about that, oh, I don't need a man. Diamond will tell you from the age we are three, four, five years old. We're outside while you all are chasing each other and playing basketball. We're scratching in the ground the names of the little boys and who we go right. marry when we get 13 and 14. That's just how we are. So we really receive and, and, and listen when men are talking to us. And actually a great deal of my next book is coming from conversations that I've had with my husband and things that he told me and things that he has said to me. I mean, my husband really helped me 
understand things such as he said to me, and this helped me understand a lot too where that sexual lust and child molestation sets in with men. Because he said to me, he said, you all have to understand when we are young men, and and you three as gentlemen on the phone definitely can relate to this, I'm sure. He said, when we're out, when, when we're young, he said, it's just that whole push, no matter where you grow up at or what church you've been to, all of your friends and your family, all they're talking about, oh, man, you ain't got none, you ain't had none. He said that's everywhere. And so as young men, we're just hearing that. We're hear, hearing that from uncles and guys in the neighborhood and everything, and that pressure for them, for you all to have sex is just as strong as just that we don't hear about that. And just hearing him say that was just so profound to me. And so these are a lot of the things that I think women need to hear and from men and vice versa because I know I have men tell me all the time that I help them understand a lot of what's going on with their wives, why their wives are so distant, why their wives cannot have sex with them. Right. Mm-hmm. We uh we have a caller on the line. We had a couple, and I, I think they just didn't want to wait. <laughs> but I want to bring this caller, and I think she brings a unique perspective to uh, our conversation. Caller from the seven seven zero area code. You are on live. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Hello. I'm good. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. We can. We 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 brought you in. We 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 knew that you had a question or a comment, so let's hear it. Well, I got a, I got a um, I think a call from you, and so I I just listened to you know, yes. the last yes. bit of the conversation. Yes. So I'm kind of coming in late. Okay. Okay. We're, we're, right. we're gonna we're gonna leave a mic. We're gonna leave you open, so just feel free to come on in, and, and that's D D Stewart out of Atlanta. And uh, we we would definitely love to hear your take on what's going on. But again, we're gonna leave you, we're gonna leave your mic wide open. So so Stephanie uh, and and to, to the women that are on here on the call, it it just seems like and Tony and Brian tell me if I'm wrong. It just seems like the women are a lot more active in dealing with these type of issues when it should be the men that that are the ones that should be going in the barbershops, going out on the football fields and going into the classroom and speaking to the little boys and telling them, you don't disrespect, you don't do what you've seen on television to uh, the little girls, and this is just something that you don't do. Uh, But another thing to that is, too, a lot of the little boys are getting... They're being molested themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's something that's going around, and it's a shameful thing. And another shameful thing is you, you're starting to see opposite sex now dating. I mean, it, it, it used to be hidden, but it's, it's just out there right in their face now. And a lot of, and a lot of these kids are just confused. Mm-hmm. They're so confused, and I know a lot of the little boys are. They may laugh at it uh, when they're with their friends, but behind closed doors, they're crying mm-hmm. because they don't have anybody that they can talk to. Hey, Greg, I want to add to to what you're saying. You know, I think you're right on point. But, you know, even with that, we can go out and talk to these young men to to try to tell them what they need to be doing. But it's what they see in their community. When we leave that, that area and we go back to the confines of our home, their communities are showing them what they believe to be the right way to live, the right way to act. And so we fall victim in, in those points because when you have a situation where, let's say, a young boy is watching let's say a drug dealer, beat women or, you know, or pimp women or do whatever, and that young drug dealer is giving him money all the time. 
he's not going to listen to us. You know, he's going to be more inclined to listen to that drug dealer. So it's a bigger picture that's out there that we have to really look at. We got a lot of work to do. Yeah, and I think Brian, you know what? Tony is dealing with something like that now. He's he, you know, he was in Alabama a couple of weeks ago, and I and I listened to uh, his speech when he was down there speaking on YouTube, and it was so on point, and it goes uh, hand in hand, Brian, with what you're talking about with the drug dealers. His was more centered around the rappers and the lies that are mm-hmm. out being told. And, and Tony, if you want to touch on that real quick. Um, uh, yeah, just tell us about that. Well, what I'm doing is I'm going to the source. A lot of times, uh, people are so afraid to speak to the celebrities, to the uh, to the rappers, and uh, the, you know the, the P Diddy's and the Russell Simmons. And um, I was speaking about the rapper um, Plies, and it's like they putting this image out there about you know disrespecting your women and treating them like like whores in a sense and, uh, you know, just controlling them and, and like they're a piece of meat. And so I'm going to the rappers, you know, I'm calling them out the way they're going to see me on YouTube. Uh, they're receiving letters in their office from me because I realize a lot of times, you know, I, them individuals, they lost. They lost and they confused. Uh, I, I speak out to Russell Simmons and, and he see my comments, you know, spreading all that Eckhart told this nonsense and kind of leading people down wrong direction. So in every sense, more so than the sexual abuse and the uh, domestic violence, I mean, I'm dealing with everything, drug dealings, you know, the thugs and uh, the, the pagan gods, and I'm going to the sources, and that's what we got to reach. So when, when we speak to the drug dealers themselves, you know, I'm getting, I'm in the process trying to set up a goon's ball to educate the dope boys because I was once a dope boy, and, and to speak to them. It's, it's like they open. And, and they're willing and they're ready to hear, and you'll be amazed at how responsive they are when you're man enough to step up to them. But the thing is, is everybody afraid to speak up to the celebrities and, you know, and to the, to the people in the community that's uh, portraying those negative images for our youth. And so that's, that's what God has called me to do, just, just go right at them you know, and be real with them and, and real recognize real. And God going to give me that grace and that favor. And they, I'm believing God, they're going to hear and receive. And it's just going to trickle down. And when they change their life, then the people that's looking up to them will change their life also. Awesome, awesome. You know, that that was a, I like the idea of the goon's ball. That just sounds like something that, that would draw them in, and they would be expecting something completely different. Right. That's what it is. I mean, we 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 sheep, and God sending us amongst wolves, and so mm-hmm. we have to be uh, like the Bible say, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And so that's it, it's time that that we up the ante. It's time that we step it up. I mean, lives are being lost. You know, every young woman isn't going to be as strong as Stephanie. A, a lot of women may turn to suicide, may turn to prostitution. You know, yeah. and so. With us stepping up and speaking out, we empower them. And I, I speak to groups of women. It's like hundreds of women that have been sexually abused all their life and uh, physically abused. And man, just to see, just just to see uh, the responses and how powerful it is, it, it's needed. It's needed. Um, real quick, Diamond, how can someone sign up for the this, this event, and where would they where would they need to go to sign up? Um, it's, um, the website and everything's up on uh, www.divasdevotionpride.org. And right now the um, registration is early bird, early bird registration for only $30. And then after, um, after like mid-July, it's $40. But it's two days of just impact. It's Two days of just encouragement. It's going to be so awesome. This is going to be so, so awesome. Yes, it is. I want go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say that, you know, Tony and Stephanie are on tonight, but we also have Tracy, Michelle, Lewis Gidget, who's an awesome author. She has her um, book, Interruption of Crystal, um, Crystal out, and then we have April Mason with Broken, um, Broken but Not Bound. These are some awesome women. I'm so just, I'm so excited and so privileged to know these 
people, not just know of them, but to know these people, have spoken with them. Because I'm not just going to put anybody on or just put anybody out there or attached to anybody. But these are some awesome people who have been through some things, and they're radicals. I love it. I love it. So love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Brian, do you think? Wow. You know, the, the story of sexual violence is one that is being told over and over just too many times. We have to break the silence in order to break the suffering. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight. We ask that you please send this out to your Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter friends and that you join us again as we'll have another exciting show on Monday. Good evening, and God bless you all. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.